0: All right, everybody, welcome in to what I think is a very special episode of the Blue and Orange Football Podcast. And I'm just uh, popping in here, record a quick intro. Uh, It is your host, Jacob, over at Roachism13. Isaac over at Isaac10G will be with me. But uh, this week we have special guest Nick Carnes, Brown Superfan. He's had some very good conversations on Twitter. um, And I've followed him for a while, and I very much enjoy uh, the conversation that he has on there uh, me and Isaac sat down with him uh do excuse the first few minutes where I was driving and did not mute my mic so a lot of times when Nick was talking you're gonna hear some background noise um, I had some trouble recording this audio as well, so it might not be the highest quality of audio, but uh, I think it's a very, very high quality conversation. It's about 50 minutes in length. Uh, we thought we were talk for 10 to 15 minutes with uh, Nick. We had just an incredibly great conversation, and I'm really, really excited to share that with you. Um, I'm, we're going to get over that interview right now. Please interact with us on Twitter. Send us a DM, um, you know, Rotism13, Isaac10G. We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, but like I said, we're gonna get right over to the interview, and I apologize for any uh, audio issues. We're still new to this, and hopefully, we'll get better. So, enjoy the interview. That's
1: the most appropriate way I think we can start uh, the first interview of the podcast that we've ever had. I'm very excited to do this. I really, when we started this uh, podcast last off season, uh, well, we started it in the playoffs last year. It was a really a weird time to start a podcast. um, We talked about, I think we started the podcast like right before Bill O'Brien became also GM of the Texans, and we had an episode in uh, Isaac's basement next to a wood burner. It was like 100 degrees, and uh, we benched about uh, Bill O'Brien. So this is a podcast by fans or fans to talk a fan's perspective of the Browns. Um, I followed Nick Karns here uh, for a little while on Twitter. Um, I really think he has way more patience than I do when it comes to, uh, uh, I don't know if you're familiar what, with what a, what a Dale is. I don't know if you uh, know what that is from That's What We Said. I don't know if you partake in that podcast at all, but um, you're you're much, much more patient with a lot of very stupid things I see you deal with on Twitter than I would well, we're excited
2: to have you on, man. So uh, how you doing tonight? I'm great. Uh, thanks, Jacob and, and Isaac. I, I appreciate you guys um, yeah, inviting me on. Um, this is this is a, this is great. I, I love doing these kinds of things, especially when uh, the, the season's been over for a little bit and we're just waiting. Uh, I think we got a little less than a month now until free agency. So so there's that. But just looking to to, to find something to to talk about here. Um, uh, and, and it's always it's just that uh, it, it helps. Um, uh, it's like the, the Browns are, I feel like, anymore, especially now that uh, we're coming off of this season where the Browns far exceeded all of our expectations, it's, it's 24-7, 365 type of thing now, and that's fun. I'm glad. Um, so glad to be here. Uh, I can't wait to see what we get into today. Yeah,
1: absolutely, man. I'm like, I got to
3: say, um, go, go ahead, Isaac. Sorry. I was just saying we're glad to have you. Um, I like we were saying earlier, this is our first, this is our first guest on our show. It's a good experience for all of us involved. It's good to, to pick each other's brains, get a the fresh perspective. Um, hopefully the fans and the viewers out there enjoy it. Yeah. Well,
1: we're, we're really hoping to get into some of these, uh, some more of these down the road. Um, Throughout this offseason, like Nick said, it, 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 it's just there's not a lot to talk about right now. Uh, but but I'm with you on that. I'm thinking about the Browns 24 seven 365 right now, man. I used to do it. I was over. I was in Afghanistan um, the year we went 0 in 16, and I watched every game. Like wow. <laughs> so it's it's been an adventure for me as a as a. I just turned 30 this year, and and it's been an adventure for me because I was. Uh, three years old the last time we won a playoff game before this year so it's awesome so earlier this offseason me and Isaac did a top five uh, Browns and top five Giants we might have been top ten actually um, moments for us in the 2020 season so I I DM'd you earlier and asked you maybe we could get your top five Browns moments so could you take me through your top five moments And, and I'll say I'll preface it by this Isaac did his, not with specific plays and moments, but when he saw specific things in the Giants, like when he saw leadership, when he saw uh, toughness and tenacity. Now, my, myself, I did things like the OBJ touchdown. That's the OBJ end-around touchdown against the Dallas Cowboys is when I knew that these were not the same old Browns. That the, 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 the same old Browns blow that game, man. They blow that game. They don't yes. win that game. Yeah. So... Can you take me through like your top five Browns moments and what they meant to you this year?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to, to rank them, but I can just give you um, moments that stand out to me. Yeah. Um, and and I do. I am with you that that Dallas game was something different um, because because it, it, for so long I feel like for all of these
4: years of like the Browns struggling far and away it was just offensive ineptitude. it was just like they never ever could score and you never you know you see all these, all these stupid statistics about, about uh, the Browns just have scored under 30 points and average some horrid, amounts and so and so like that was it is higher than are saying, Here we go again. Uh, another inexperienced head coach uh, as it, a coordinator for a couple of years. Uh, here's another team calling the place himself. Uh, How's he going to do it? And so I think our Dallas game is going to uh, really show that this is an offense that that is, is legit. Going to be able to put points up. And I think the best part of that is that. the points in the office game both running and running right? it wasn't just, 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 just like that, uh, the narrative that you know make the run game and then granted that the one game dominated. and do the and the trick
3: play um, you know you know passes it's like it's like the offense was so coming out between all those things, right and so that's where like it really looked Mean, uh, this like these these Browns and this offense is going to be different. Yeah. So so that yeah I I'm right there with you. Uh, that
2: really stuck out to me. Uh, and I know um I, there, there's that iconic picture um of Donovan Peoples Jones uh catching the game-winning touchdown against Cincinnati. Uh man, a, from, from an emotional standpoint, you know, you've got Baker. I I believe Baker throws. An interception on his first pass of that game. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Odell gets hurt then, um, and he's going off the field. And then, and somehow the even even the Bengals are driving down the field, and we get a turnover. And you're like, okay, this is going to be all right. Um, and, and then, and then the, the Browns' offense is just doing absolutely nothing. Right. And so, so I feel like we're, I feel like from a season perspective, that's where, you know, because Tom Baker had been up and down at that point. Um, and that was where it just felt like an emotional low. And then all of a sudden, man, the, 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 ground, the offense just starts, Baker starts cooking. Uh, and was just, I believe, that second
1: like half was one of his touchdown halves of the year. He threw yeah cuz he threw four in the the one in the first and the four in the second yeah
2: yeah yeah so so that I, that was when so so Baker, he, he he sets um the franchise record for consecutive passes completed um and, and i mean you know, the, the the final set like getting the ball back i think with a minute left and going right down the field uh you know, you know hollywood makes that that insane over his back catch um and then nailing donovan peoples Jones in, in the end zone it's like you know here we got a six round pick and we're not' we're like well what do we expect on him? And, He's making game-winning touchdown catches. But um, here's—I ain't caught two touchdowns in that game, right? So you are seeing uh um, seeing—you're seeing look, the draft picks are contributing, Bakers, feeding the offense, and all, and all of a sudden, you um, know, you can't say there's a game manager, there's a
1: system carried by the running game, because. There, there was no. They had the throw. I don't care who was against. a believe 22 straight passes and four touchdowns in that half uh, was as impressive as it gets. Not having Chubb in that game.
2: No. Yeah. Oh, it, it, completely not, not even. Yeah, to that point, I mean, Chubb and Hunt were, I, I think they rushed for 200 yards a couple times to that point already. Um yep. And, and that's when that's when the offense shifts, you know. I'm, and, and so I think that was probably, it's definitely one of the top the top moments of the season because because you saw the, the Browns take take the next step um, when when so many people um, were down on them at that point, which I don't even know. I think, I think they were six and two. No, no, five and
4: three. They
1: they would, would have been four and
2: two. Four and two, yeah, because that was week seven. Yeah. Yep. So so it's, but but anyway, um, so that obviously sticks out to me. Um, and then there was a there was a moment um uh, against the Titans where Baker Baker gets called for some for an intentional grounding. Um, and I can't remember. Mm-hmm. He, he got a lot that he really didn't deserve I thought this season. But, so it's 13-15, it's, 13-16 it's and something, uh, and the game's the game that point uh, I, I believe the Titans are trying to rally back, and Baker throws this bullet across the middle of the field, uh, and it just gets us the first down, and they, they flash it to Mike Brayle, um, and he just he, he standing there with his
4: hands on his knees, you know, ball tennis, and he just hangs his head Right? And I just think I would love to post it, but it was just like you threw that tag right into the instance that's his um, and, and, and sure enough there was another kind of touchdown half games. You know, it just, it just the way just that you can like that hard is is just something
2: like <inaudible> Uh, I, 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 that that one that'll stick out to me for a long time. Uh, and then um I think so so you fast forward to when to when the Browns get to the Steelers at the end of the season and, then, and I know, I know that it should be different. to yeah, when it's big, and you know, maybe in any other city, say, this is your thing. But, but, but here, I, that we you know about, uh, yeah. And so for, for for Kareem Hunt to to on uh, that final uh, play where the Browns had, uh, I remember, I remember saying, "This is it, right? It was, it was like third and third something. third was it? I can't remember. Third or it was 33. Like, I want to
1: say it was 33, 34, something yeah. like that.
2: Yeah. And, it, and and I just, I remember saying the, the Browns get a first down and they're going to the playoffs and they don't. And if they didn't, you know, the way um, Mason Rudolph was throwing the ball and the way the secondary was banged up at that point, like you knew, I mean, the, the, the game hung in the balance at that point. And for that play was so, so. Great to me because it was uh, who who calls a quarterback sweep with with Baker Mayfield? Yeah. Yeah. just the, Kevin Stefanski and that and his play calling and and Kareem Hunt, um, you know, throwing that block. It just it felt like you you got the hometown kid and you got the guy, the head coach that, you know, so many people, were thousands, he's got eight years, and, and of course Baker, right, that that everyone was like,
1: slandering for forever. Um, and those three pieces getting that first down and sending the Browns to the playoffs. Um, was just something, what a moment of this. It's not like... And I know you can't undo 20 years of getting the crap knocked out of you by Pittsburgh and 20 years of just being the stock of the NFL in one play. I know you can't. But it, to me, it felt like, like, you know, it felt like when you haven't, like, I, I was in the Army for several years, and you hadn't showered in, like, three weeks. It was like, you wash away so much filth and so much bad and just so much... Just absolute mediocrity. Like I, I don't know if you've ever seen Mike Polk's Factory of Sadness video on YouTube. I and, 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 okay, exactly. So like it felt, and then he did the the, the he did the the video follow up where he closed the Factory of Sadness this year, and it just it felt like for so long we were just so embarrassingly bad, and then you just thought, look, here goes the Browns no T.J. Watt, no Cam Hayward, no Ben Roethlisberger. We're still going to blow this damn thing. And then Baker calls Maserati, making fun of calling Cap her and he sweeps it. Baker Mayfield sweeps it to the right. And I just feel like it was like, Baker, seriously, I felt like, like you washed away everything in that moment. And for that I will always be grateful for, for what Baker Mayfield did this year, period.
2: Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. Um and, and then in his post-game interview, like he's a little emotional. Yeah. You know, like like he knows what that means. Um not only not only um for the Browns, but for him. It it, it helps vindicate him. He's leading the Browns to the playoffs. they're Baker and, and, and this Browns team are the first ones in. in uh, I think it was an 18-year playoff drought. It's like just, I, it feels like piece by piece they're just tearing down the wall. Yes, terrible Browns records um, that just felt insurmountable forever, right? Yeah.
4: And so that, that uh, uh, you know what? <laughs> The playoff game was was amazing, and, and that's where I'm going next. But I think personally, seeing them in that fashion uh, in Week 17, 14, just getting it
2: was getting a larger weight, just lifted off of 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 us, I, I feel like that will always mean um, more to me. Just just because it had been so long since we even um, could taste that. So to me, it just felt, it felt so good to feel, to feel just finally, we're going back to the playoffs. Uh, and, and of course, ah, yeah.
3: You know, Cliff, you know, I know that you're going to the playoffs, but even as a, as you know, I'm, I'm not a number one Browns fan, but I do, you know, I, I can't say that I'm a Browns fan to your guys' level. Because that would be like a a Giants fan telling me they're a Giants fan, but actually having another um, number one team, if that makes sense. But yeah. with that being said, you know, in your guys' experience this year, you've got such a great team and an organization that really, you know, within the first couple weeks of the season, you could tell it completely turned around compared to what you're used to. So, hypothetically... You know, if something happened and the Browns got kept out of the playoffs, I assume, you know, I, I assume what you guys would say is you would still take that as a massive win for the Browns' season, even though it may not have made to the playoffs because the AFC North was such a tough division this year, right? So what would your thoughts been if the road had stopped short,
2: had a winning record, had a great season – Uh, but fell short to make the playoffs. I'm just curious. So I'm a glass half full guy. That's just, that's who I am. Yeah. Um, And so I would have found a way to spin it and, and said exactly what you just did. Um, you know the, the the Browns are coming away from one in thirty one recently, um, and, and just these these two of easily two of the worst head coaches in NFL history, um, and so you could still say you know Baker improved the offense looks like a looks legitimate. Kevin he looks like a real coach. Um, and, and, all, and all of that is so encouraging, but I would be lying at, at that point when when the, when the Browns get there and so it would have been it would have been easy if the Steelers were playing all their starters. I think, and, and the Browns lose that game, maybe it's a little easier to swallow. But when 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 they're not even playing all their guys, it like it it it, it would have been soul crushing to to, to yeah. fall short there. Um, when it, when you're not even because because oh my god the, the, the things that that Steelers Twitter would have been saying yeah. after where we lose to their backups and and don't make the playoffs it's just and, and in true well, with you winning you barely beat the backups I mean imagine I'm glad you have that perspective I really
3: am um, and. You no, know, if, if I was in your guys' shoes with the Giants and you had, you know, the Giants have had terrible seasons in the past couple of years, and then we go into a season, even with being as bad as they were, you can ask ask Jake there, as much as I knew they would get boat raced in the playoffs, I still wanted them to go to the playoffs, right? And I was slightly disappointed that they didn't, even though the record was terrible. So I couldn't imagine, you know, in your guys' shoes, like with what you just said. If you get to that moment, it would have been soul crushing. Yeah. But you know, that's not what happened. They won. They got in. And uh, sorry to change the the the, the subject just for no. a second, but I you know I was thinking about that and I really wanted to get your um, feedback and opinion. No, uh, absolutely. Well, uh, it's not to dwell too long,
2: but okay. So so think about it, within your division, right? Washington does get there, yeah. and then they give um, they give Tampa Bay. I think the the best game anyone gave them in their their playoff run. And now, and now it looks like they may be pushing forward. Isn't it it Hinky? I I don't want to mispronounce it. Okay. So, so, so now, now they're pressing forward with him um, or it seems like, right. And so it's like, I think it's so cliche and it's more of a baseball thing, but, but it's like, you you just need to get there and then you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I totally understand where you're coming from because because you you I mean there's there's been how many wild card teams have have made the playoffs and then and then gone on that run. Um, the, the Giants are one of them. The you know, and beat the beat the
3: arguably one of the best teams the NFL has ever seen with the uh, at the time the sixteen and zero Patriots. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like it, it goes to the testament it is it is legitimately any given Sunday, right? And you see the Washington Redskins have a competitive game against Tampa Bay. And even with the Browns, um, Browns loss, they had such a competitive game against the Chiefs that week because really it came down to not even a handful of plays that could have changed that. It, it really could have. It could have been a completely different story. And you could have seen Tampa Bay and the Browns in the Super Bowl. You were that close. And so um, I'm glad it didn't end in the regular season. And I think in my personal opinion, the Browns showed against the Chiefs in the playoffs that that is a legitimate team. And they're going to be a legitimate team for several years to come. And as I've preached all season in our podcast, is I'm a big believer in sound leadership promotes healthy growing in a team and success. The whole atmosphere for the Cleveland Browns changed 180 degrees compared to last year to this year and what they've done on the field, the cohesiveness of their locker room, their attitude and wins and losses, their team accountability, the, the, what they've been able to do in adversity. It's, it's, it's crazy. And anybody who isn't a Browns fan would be stupid not to respect everything that they've been able to go
2: through and overcome this past season. That's really well said. I mean, unless you're in Pittsburgh, of course, in in which case you you live in fantasy land where the season didn't happen.
1: (laughs) So We were fiddling around prior to recording this, trying to find a good way to record it. Uh, We tried zoom and we tried uh, some things like that. We, we had a little bit of a conversation, and that's kind of a segue. I see you almost took the opportunity to run with it there, Nick. So I'll set you up for that. Um, so I'll set you up for that because I told you in, in the DM that I, I slid right in them DMs to try to get you on this show, and I said, "Hey, um, I really like you know some of the tweets you have in defending Baker because you can ask Isaac." I had one period after the, the Pittsburgh Steelers game, I told Isaac for the first time in Baker's career, I'm a little bit worried. I was scared. And I was like, I think he's still there. I think the old gunslinger's is still there. And he was. But that was the only time I doubted, I doubted Baker even a little bit. And I have apologized to Baker and professed my love to him on Twitter multiple <laughs> times. <laughs> so <laughs> he's very aware of how I feel about him now. And I'm probably screaming. So if I'm screaming at you guys on this microphone, I apologize. It's just the way I talk. But um, so I'll set this up for this. Uh, you have been a much more patient person with some of these attacks you've had on Twitter. So I'll set you up by saying that you have this tweet that's gotten all kinds of crazy reactions, like thousands of likes. and like, I, I've only ever got like six likes ever. So like you have this tweet where you talked about Baker came alive without his most talented receiver. You can say whatever you want to say about OBJ, about the chemistry not being there, and I think there's something to that argument, but we'll get to it. Well, you, we can get into that later. But make, there is no way you can say that anybody on that football team at the receiver position or the tight end position is as physically talented as Odell Beckham. If you lose Odell Beckham. What would have happened? And, and Baker only got better. What would have happened? Like you Suggested what would happen if Stephon Diggs goes down, Devontae Adams goes down. I can't remember the last one that you used. Um,
2: uh, Tyree Kill.
1: Tyree Kill, okay, that I, I thought it was Tyree Kill, but I wasn't sure. So you said if, they, if these three guys go, go down, and then of course, Pittsburgh uh, people jumped all over your, your mentions and your comments, and, and they like to act like this season completely never happened but can you go over what it's been like to, to, to have to fight with Pittsburgh people and stuff and, and everybody over this, uh, over that
2: one tweet? Um, so a lot of people, a lot of people came, came with the, with the stats that, that Patrick Mahomes and and Aaron Rodgers um, and Josh Allen have all been successful with, without their, uh, their number one receivers before. And, and, and that's true. Um, but when when those guys go – when Devontae Adams goes down, when Ty, Tyreek Hill goes down, um, and you can't really – because this is the first year of Allen having Stephon Diggs. Uh, but when those guys go down and, and their quarterbacks are still successful without them, everywhere you look, every every sports show ever is, is just throwing rose petals at, at these quarterbacks' feet, saying, how, how, you know, how does Aaron Rodgers – I don't remember the stat, but he, I believe he went undefeated without uh, Devontae Adams. Um, And and they're just saying, how great of a quarterback do you have to be to be this successful without your number one receiving threat? And look at Aaron Rodgers, how amazing he is. And you can say the same thing about Mahomes. And and then the argument was that Josh Allen had made the playoffs with Stephon Diggs. Um, And... And, and so, and, and I'm like, and so these people are are, are, are coming here and, and saying all of that, um, and then you've got Pittsburgh saying that Baker Mayfield's trash, of course, because they they just continue to spew that rhetoric. Um, and, and I'm like, th- that's my exact point, right? Is that when when these other quarterbacks are successful without their number one wide receiver, they they get. Treated like they are the best thing that that the NFL has seen, and, and I'm not saying that about Baker. But my, my point was that Odell goes down, um, and somehow somehow the narrative is that is that the Browns don't need Odell, and and Baker, if Baker's better without Odell, and. And instead of instead of saying, look at all of the stuff that, of look at all these games that the Browns are winning, and, and all these touchdowns, and, and all of these great statistics that Baker's putting up without his number one threat, they're just using it. Um, they, they're just using it as a way to discredit Odell. Whereas they, they didn't say that N- nobody said that nobody said oh uh, clearly the Packers don't need Devonte Adams because Aaron Rodgers went undefeated without him and they didn't say oh the Chiefs I mean we saw we saw firsthand how good Tyree Kill was right you literally killed the Browns uh, nobody, nobody nobody said oh oh Tyree Kill why why did the Chiefs even have him what's even the point of paying that guy but but somehow somehow we're we're, we're in this place where where Odell is a problem. And the only reason Baker is successful is because he's not on the field. And, and I just don't – I don't understand how, how – how can you look at, at, at all of the, those narratives and say this one with Baker and Odell is drastically different um, and not say – isn't that a little weird? How, how does, how does it, how does it, it just doesn't add up. I mean, I mean and, and um, maybe, maybe – Isaac could give us a little perspective, too, because, because well, A, hey, you've had Odell in the past, and B, um, you're, you're not within um, this Browns bubble. That I, I, I try not to be too
3: biased, but, I mean, I am a homer, so, so, I mean, yeah. that's So, but, I, have, I have a unique perspective to this, and probably one that you both will not agree with me on. Um, but I've lived the Odell Beckham Jr. life, right? I've lived the highs and lows of Odell Beckham Jr. being with the Giants squad, and so if you go back to look, and I believe it's the 2016-2017 season with Ben McAdoo as a head coach of the Giants, um, Eli Manning was the quarterback. They were they were really bad, right? They were terrible. Um, nobody was performing well. Terrible offensive line. Eli Manning was starting to like really start getting the you need to get out of here chance and and people were hating on them. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. was a huge distraction on and off the field, and it gets to a point that you really see, and and Roche here can attest to it, my distaste for Odell Beckham Jr. I am not an Odell Beckham Jr. fan whatsoever Um, because I'm one of the guys that's a firm believer that he is a distraction on and off the field. And I hate those type of players. No matter who you are, I'm kind of an old school type of um, NFL fan. Maybe that's why I like the Giants so much. I'm just more grounded in the kind of the old school nature of things. But I saw in the Giants that year the whole team be terrible. That affected Odell Beckham Jr. And that's a testament to him. That that is this first part's a compliment to him because he wants to win so bad, right? He's one of the most competitive guys you will ever see on the field. Big believer on it. I think that he's probably one of the most physically talented receivers on the field. Okay? But this is what we saw at the Giants. Odo Beckham Jr. ends up getting hurt that season. And then we start winning games. So two teams now, you have with the Browns and you have with the Giants, Odo Beckham Jr. goes down... Was there a distraction there? There was with the Giants, and everybody knows it, right? When you have a receiver come out and you start trashing your quarterback to the media, having interviews, you're not helping your team. And if he's doing that with the Giants, he's doing that with the Browns, whether you see it um, behind the scenes or not, right? But two teams now, you have Odell Beckham Jr. go down, and then the teams collectively come together miraculously and start winning games, right? It's just you know, two places happens two times. Is it I, I don't think so man like that's that's my uh, devil's advocate opinion on that and I'll be honest with you it would take a whole lot of convincing me for it would take a whole lot of convincing for me to think otherwise on that he,
1: I'll say that I'll, I'll say this Nick, before you have an opportunity <laughs> to rebuttal this is a uh, One of the things that he likes to poke, he likes to poke the bear on me every once in a while and do this to me. (laughs) He loves to do that. Like, listen, here's the thing. I I think that we can all have this conversation and not necessarily agree with each other on this. And I think that we're, yeah, and I think we're three uh, mature individuals that can sit here and have this conversation. I saw it one time on Twitter, it said, if you have a, a disagreement with somebody, especially on sports, you attack that person's argument, not that person. You don't say, "Hey, you're a you're a stupid butt faced pirate because you like OBJ and I don't." You know, you know, Isaac sitting here and, he, and he's given information, and it, is, it has happened twice. I think that this year, I think this year was more. It was a timing thing. I think Baker took off because of his comfort, his comfort level in the offense. Yes, he didn't have to... I think he forced some things to Odell once in a while, not because he thought he had to to keep Odell happy, but because he knew the talent level of Odell and if he could just get the ball to him, maybe Odell could make something happen. When Baker just wasn't sure what he needed to do with the ball in that play as he was learning his his fourth offense in three years. And, And so to me, I thought it was a coincidence this year, but when you come at me and you show me the stats from it, him, it happening this year and it happening in the Giants, I think that it, it, that I can. I, I'm okay with hearing that argument. I want Odell back personally um, this that year because too. I'd love to see him with 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 a comf- with Baker learning the. He knows the offense now, right?
4: Yeah,
1: and um, I'd like to see him have that opportunity again, but. Um, I'll say this, I'll say this and I'll let you rebuttal here, but um, I think my point, and I think maybe this was your point as well about that tweet, is to me the tweet wasn't about OBJ, which is what everybody made it about. The, the, The tweet was... This is this thing about that has happened to Baker Mayfield since Baker has been into the league. Listen, I didn't like Baker in college, and I'm Ohio. I'm an Ohio State guy, so I was I was in Afghanistan. It was 4:30 in the morning when he planted that damn slack. So, like, I did not like Baker. Like, I you know what I mean? Like, but when he came to my team, I was like, oh, let me get behind this guy. You know, I was let me. I've I rooted for Deshaun Kaiser. I might as well give Baker Mayfield a shot.
3: Um, like so good. I was just gonna say, you know, you know, to add to, to my stance on it, you know, my stance is 100% aimed towards Odell Beckham Jr. One thing that you know, people and you mentioned this, Nick. Um, what people don't take in consideration is Odell Beckham Jr. Love him or hate him, he is physical. He his physical and skill level warrants him a elite wide receiver one title i mean nobody can argue yeah. that i'm yeah. not arguing that at all so you lose him and baker mayfield keeps going right along right yeah that's a testament and that's a compliment to baker mayfield yes. more than anything else yeah yes um, and i think a lot of people don't see it that way um I think those, you know, those individuals, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what they're thinking. I, I won't even begin to try to imagine that. But my perspective is, yeah, I'm not the biggest guy who likes Odell Beckham Jr. Now, granted, my experience with him in New York is much different mm-hmm. than your experience experience yeah. in Cleveland. And we can't even pretend that it's, it's even close. Because in Cleveland, he hasn't nearly been the issue that he was in New York. New York, it was obvious, right? It was so obvious. Now he's gone on to have, I think it was earlier this season, even um, just a quick interview with a reporter regarding his time at the giants and his, distaste um, for how they even treated Eli Manning on his you know final years in the league that they didn't do anything to help him out. So, you know, Jake and I talked about that earlier, this uh, podcast and that garnished a lot more respect for me to OBJ. Yeah. So with yeah. that being said, I agree with both of you. Key OBG, he needs to be on the team next year because what did you guys miss earlier this season? You missed a vertical threat. We need,
1: we need speed so daggum bad.
3: It's not even funny. S- and that's so. a guy, man, that is one catch and it's electric. You don't know what's going to happen. So, you know, I think that maybe it's not a coincidence that, you know, Baker Mayfield continued to progress even without a number one wide receiver. Well, I have respect for Baker Mayfield. I like him as a quarterback. And two, I think that sometimes maybe this wasn't the scenario in Cleveland, it was in New York, that if you do have a player, whether it's a receiver, a running back, a lineman, a defensive back, it doesn't matter who it is. If it is a distraction off the field, even if the media doesn't pick up on it, it can have an impact on the team as a whole, right? And I think we all can agree with that. Whether it was happening here or uh, not, nah, we, we don't know. Um well, that's kind of my that's my two cents with it. I wanted to rebuttal a little bit and say that, hey, yeah, I don't like OBJ, but I understand your guys' perspective. If I were in your shoes, I would want him back again and and go from there. And can we just
1: – let's stop moving the goalposts on Baker Mayfield, please. That's all I want. That's it. Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Be- because you can't – you can't
2: you – can't, uh, you can't praise all these other quarterbacks when they're successful without – their number one wide receiver and then somehow find ways not to for Baker uh,
1: it, you, you, it, it, this is the thing that I saw and, and, and I stopped I've like blocked Colin Calvert because he baits me every daggum time and I fall right into his daggum trap every time but the thing is you would say hey Baker this is what I got told, right? We got told, and you, and you alluded to this earlier, Nick, talking about your, your top five moments. We kept getting told that they're winning with Baker. They're winning in spite of Baker. Yeah. Well, they said, win because of Baker. Well, Baker throws a pick, and OBJ tears his ACL. Baker throws four very incompletions, and then Baker says, you know what? How about I just shred this defense up and down? I go 22 of 23. My only incompletion is a spike. I throw five tutters. and like, like you said, there was a minute last when Joe Burrow scored, and I knew we were going to win. I had I, I knew. So we won because of Baker. Me and Isaac on the podcast that week were like, listen, we won because of Baker. And then we got told, yeah, I guess you did, but do it against someone good. And then he does it against Tennessee. And you yeah. say, oh, but you only did it against one good team. Do it again. Stop.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. I would like to say a couple things about Odell. Um, yeah, and because uh, I think Isaac said um, said something uh, basically to the point of uh, you know it's like the, the Browns um, weren't successful with him, or or they were more successful after him. And so to me, the, the whole Freddie Kitchens year is an aberration, um, and I personally write that off because oh, I, I yeah. yeah. Yeah, you all agree on that. So, so, so then you look, you look to this year, and you say, okay, so with Odell coming into the the week seven when he tore his ACL, the Browns are four and two, right? So, so they're off to their best start um, in literal forever. So with him, right? And and then and then um, when you you got to keep in mind, you know that that Dallas game um, was was Odell's best game. Um, as a Brown. And, and I think if anyone deserved the, the credit for that win, right, it, Odell made the biggest impact of any Brown on that game, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, and so so when, when the Browns are 4-2, um, you know, that, like one of those wins, you know, a quarter of their wins are, are, are in large part to Odell. And, and I know, you know, we would have liked to see him um, do more. But I think, I do think at that point, Baker wasn't as comfortable um within the offense and that was it it did feel like um they were leaning a lot more heavily on the run game at that point and just just in general to that narrative of baker's better without odell um and 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 all of that i I, something stuck out to me i i I love the, the building the browns uh stuff that they put out um and in one of Kevin Stefanski's zooms with the team, um, he said, "Confidence comes from demonstrated ability." Um, and I don't know why that just stuck. That stuck out to me. I think I think Baker needed to see himself doing doing exactly what he did against Cincinnati. He needed to see himself leading the team to victory. And the game is on him. And he and he comes up as as big as you you and possibly could. Um, and. I think I think he needed that and once he did you could see that there was just there was a change in the way the offense was Kevin Savansky was calling the offense, there was a change in the way Baker was carrying himself. Um, and I think I think that, that I'm hoping that we look back on that Cincinnati game uh, five years from now and we say that is when Baker took took the, the reins of his career and he became the Baker that we all thought he was gonna be. Um, <laughs>
1: You, you know, it's almost like he lost his security blanket. Like, he lost the guy that, like, because this is where I think that the whole narrative comes from, like, that he was forcing things to Odell. I think when he was having trouble early season making his reads and processing defenses just because he was, you know, in, in yet another new offense, I think he would just be like, if I just chuck it up towards 13, I'll be okay. And then he didn't have that anymore, so he had to make his reads quicker. He had to get the ball out. He had – if you look at some of the throws he made against, like, the Chiefs, where he was not – getting his receivers were not getting separation. No. He had to put that ball on a line. And, like, for me, it's like – I know this conversation kind of went pretty much all on Baker, and I. but I think that's the conversation. We're getting, like, pressed for time as we get up through here, so I will – We'll say a couple more things, but I will say that, Nick, we're, we're going to have to have you back on in a few weeks or something so we can have this conversation a little bit more, I think. I would love it. Um, awesome. That sounds great. Um, so, But I think it's just like we learned Baker's the guy. Can we stop? Like I know people don't like him. They don't like the person that he is, the the, the, the cockiness, the, the attitude that he gives and things like that. But, like, like stop acting like he's not a good football player,
3: people. Yeah, those people, and hopefully I didn't come across as I respect everything that OBJ has to offer for on-field physicality, skill, competitiveness. I respect his competitiveness. I really do. Um, some things are more tainted for me than than others, sure. but and I get it. You know, this this conversation did kind of go into you know, all about OBJ. Um, yeah. You know, play, right. he played seven games, and I think this year he had, like, what, 300, 300 maybe 350 yards or something like that, and a few touchdowns. Um, I know Dallas just snagged, what, two touchdowns in that game? Um, yeah. Yeah. He caught yeah. Two, yeah, that was that was probably his most productive game. Um, but, you know, Baker proved he didn't need Odell Beckham Jr., right? I think that's something that we all three can agree with. Yes, he needed yeah. a vertical threat, but even with their, you know, one of their top receivers, then he was still productive. He was still successful. They still went to the playoffs. They still beat the Steelers in the playoffs. And nobody who, can argue that, right?
1: Who on that roster, who on that roster, not named Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt, at the skill position would have started in the Super Bowl? Right.
3: That's see, a good question.
1: See, and that's what that's what gets me to this new point. Because um, Austin Hooper, I think, struggled a little bit this year compared to what we expected him to be. I think he had some drop issues. I think he'll be better next year. I'm not worried about him. David Njoku was secretly really, really good. He just didn't get enough playing time. David Njoku was the best tight end we had by the end of the year, I think. And um, But like, if you look at, listen, I love Hollywood. I love Hollywood Higgins. I really do. I got a Jarvis Landry jersey. But if you look at those stacked still positions of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs, I can't say I'm taking any of those guys off to put one of Baker's weapons on it. And yet, Baker was a couple of minutes away from the AFC championship game. I think what Isaac and and Nick and and myself were kind of getting back here is Baker proved he doesn't need someone to help him on the offense. He yeah. is the guy, and he can—he will help you. And that's what we were told at the beginning of the
2: year. He would never be able to do. Yeah. He would yeah. need help. He yeah. could never give you help. That's um, that's exactly you know what, and, and that's the best sign of all, right? Because because all those people that that got in on that tweet were saying Mahomes has been successful without uh, Tyree Kill. Aaron Rodgers has been successful without Devontae Adams. Josh Allen's been successful without Stephon Diggs. And now we can say that Baker Mayfield has been successful without Odell. And I think, and, and but, but, and in the same vein, you, nobody on the, the Packers or the, the Chiefs says, we don't want our number one receiver. Yeah. Right. So, so, so now I think you, you say we've seen that Baker is this guy and now we just need to give him more help.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think, honestly, that's probably a good place for us. We're pushing about we – I, I, I texted uh, uh, Nick in his DMs earlier and said, hey, can we get you on for 10 to 15 minutes? We've gone on for 45 minutes. We've had uh, what I think is a fantastic conversation. It's probably our best podcast uh, that we've had because I didn't talk the whole time. So we, we don't have to worry about that issue coming up. But um, I'll, get, I'll, I'll go around. I'll do my little final thoughts. I'll give both of you an opportunity to do some final thoughts um, because it's looking like me and Isaac are going to record an intro and then this interview is going to be the entire podcast this week. I just think it was – it's such a good conversation. And like I said, I'd love to have, have it some more. Um, I just – we're pushing time. And by, the, by now, the only once again, the only people listening are uh, related to me. So um, my final thoughts are – that um, if we could just treat Baker like every other quarterback, I know you don't like him off the field. That's why people treat him differently. But like, but like Nick is getting at, man. Like, let's just treat him like other people. Like he is Baker. Makes I tweeted this out, and I will stand by it. Baker Mays is was a top ten quarterback, and I'm tired of trying to act like he isn't.
2: That's a great point. And it's, that's that's that's, and that's my yeah. final thought. <laughs> Oh, so I'm I don't think argue that. No,
1: no way. Just um, give me, give me ten. You can give me probably six or seven better than him, but you can't give me ten.
3: I, I agree. Um, I think
2: that my my final piece is that the Browns. The, you, you said this. Um, you both said this um, throughout this. Is that the Browns came this close to? The AFC Championship game, and they did it without an off, se- without an off season, without um, with a first year head coach, with a quarterback that that so many wrote off wrote off for dead, um, and this is going to be the first time really any of them get a second year in a system. Exactly. And it's. it's, yes. it's uh, I'm so excited. I, I'm getting I'm getting chills thinking about it.
1: So am I. No joke.
2: This. And that's, that's I' I'm just I feel so good about the future for the first time in literal forever yeah.
3: um, and I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, it's gonna be great. And one thing that I've always you know I've always preached to, um, to Jake here regarding the Browns from my outside perspective so to speak, is consistency is everything, right Changing in the front office, changing quarterbacks it hurts the team. And like you just said Nick this is one of the first years that you guys don't have to do that so expect big things. it's going to be great
1: so I just want to say thank you Nick for joining us having an amazing conversation we're, we're at about 15 minutes I will uh, tweet I will get this thing edited I know and I'm apologizing that while I was driving for the first 15 minutes I believe my car was incredibly loud um, and then I like an idiot realized I could mute my microphone while I wasn't talking <laughs> so I don't know if you guys noticed about 15 minutes into the conversation you could no longer hear my car in the
2: background driving very well. So it was terrible, but, you know, it was like you, could, you could hear it. You could um, hear it. Yeah, yeah. but I, th- I, I think it'll be all right.
1: I'll try to get some of that edited out before I post it. So I'll try to get this, this uh, up to this evening, but thank you for joining us. We look forward to, I'll hit you up, like, in a couple of weeks or something, soon whenever yeah. like if anything works for you and we'll try to get you on we're going to try to do an interview with a giant fan next week and try to get some perspective oh, cool. on that
4: yeah. so
1: um thank you guys for uh taking your time out to listen to the show and we'll see you
4: next week